0: If you diversify your thought process, you have a lot more better chance of being successful when it comes to innovation. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics, and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now, your host, Chris Lukey.
1: Hey, what's happening, folks? We have a dynamic episode lined up for you today. This is episode 56 of Manufacturing Happy Hour, where we're going to be chatting with Megan Zimba. She hosts a show called Mavens of Manufacturing, and this episode is largely about closing the gender gap in manufacturing. It's a big topic. It's an important topic. It's not always the easiest topic to discuss, but I feel conversations like this are really important for creating a more equitable industry across the board. And this episode can really be broken up into two parts. In addition to running Mavens of Manufacturing, Megan is also an expert storyteller in the manufacturing space. I guess it shouldn't surprise you because she's a podcaster as well, but she's gonna give some great storytelling advice for manufacturers that just might not think they have a product that tends itself to being a creative story. Then in the second part of the interview, we're really gonna dive into the gender gap conversation. She has some great personal stories. She has some great advice for the manufacturing leaders out there that are wondering, hey, how do I create an environment that is more inclusive, more equitable? So I hope you enjoy this discussion, and it is full of a number of good resources. So after you listen, you can check out the show notes at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 56, where you can access all of that and I don't want to spend too much time here on the front end before we dive in this is a long episode so it's time to head to the northern Midwest where we are going to talk about cracking a beer with Megan Zimba all right well Megan with any of these interviews we got to start off in happy hour fashion so If we were doing this interview in person, is there a bar or a brewery where we'd be hanging out and having this conversation? And and what's that place like?
0: So I actually am near Rockford, Illinois, and we are about from my house, 20 minutes away from Rockford. But there is a small microbrewery called Pig Mines that's there. And um, the name is totally deceptive. It's a vegan place, but they have a really good lineup of uh, beers there. And they just actually added more to the microbrewery. So what initially was there is actually a lot bigger. And it's really cool because if you go to the back area, they actually have an upstairs loft type of seating that looks over the larger part of the, the brewery. And they have some really fantastic beers that are like vanilla tasting. They have a chocolate porter. It's it's a really good place to go and hang out. And the food is actually delicious. I'm not vegan, but the food is really great.
1: Just by the nature of you bringing up that there's that it's called Pig Mines, is that what you said it was? Yeah, Pig Mines. I I think I've heard about this spot before where it's like, yeah, it's a vegan brewery uh, or the V, it's a vegan menu. um, But it it has pig in the title, so all right. Well, that's a cool spot. We're uh, we're gonna jump back to Pig Mines here in just a second, but I want to make sure I give you a proper introduction to our audience first. So, for those of you out there listening, our guest today is the Maven of Manufacturing. After she started her career, focused in writing, technical writing. Uh, she's now empowering women to change the world through manufacturing via her podcast, Mavens of Manufacturing. Welcome to the show, Megan Zimba. It's good to have you here.
0: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I've followed your show and I've heard a lot of your episodes and I, I think you're doing great things with Manufacturing Happy Hour. And you know, I've also grabbed a beer while listening to your show sometimes and I, I was... Uh, really jealous that I couldn't join you and Andrew and Joe when you were out in St. Louis having a beer with them. So I'm really excited to be here today.
1: Yeah, no, great point. And for context, for those of you listening, Andrew Crow, Joe Sullivan, both past guests of the show, both doing incredible things in the manufacturing world. And Yeah. I mean, Megan, that was one of the first times I got to meet up with like people in our industry in like the past year. So it was uh, St. Louis is my hometown. So it was cool getting back and and drinking with a couple of those guys. And we'll have to get you uh, to join us for one of our next rounds, whenever that might be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've been to St. Louis a couple of times and I actually really liked the area out there. And um, one of my favorite spots was the city museum because it's like a giant playground for adults.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. For anyone listening that's not familiar with the City Museum, I mean, Megan, you're right. It is. It's an adult playground. It's like a giant (laughs) jungle gym. There are man-made caves inside that you can can climb around in. And uh, I mean, since I put breweries in the show notes every time, I'm going to put a link to the City Museum in the show notes today as well for anyone uh, that's interesting. But um, as a St. Louisan, I could talk about St. Louis a lot, but we want to talk about you today. So let's say we're hanging out at Pig Mines and... Someone asks you, it's like, you know, Megan, I've I've seen your show, Mavens of Manufacturing. You're talking about it on LinkedIn a lot. You're doing a lot of great things in the industry. Tell me what inspired you to start Mavens of Manufacturing? How do you answer that if you're kicking it with someone over a beer?
0: So it really was just my passion for storytelling and manufacturing combined with um, listening to my daughter and her friends, because my daughter's is um, a senior in high school and she's Well, she will be. Um, She's starting her senior year next year. And she is going into the medical industry. She wants to be a trauma nurse. And I'm really proud of her because I could never handle that type of graphic scene ever. I don't have the stomach for it. But even her friends, they talk about what they want to do. And there doesn't seem to be that passion there that she has for what she's planning on doing. And none of them are mentioning manufacturing or engineering. And I've been involved in the industry since 2008. I've been writing for it since then. And um, just knowing that there's not a lot of women being represented within the sector and seeing and hearing, you know, younger generations talk about something else other than engineering and manufacturing. I really wanted to like grab their attention and say, hey, you're missing out on all these wonderful opportunities that manufacturing and engineering are providing. So, I was sitting down with one of my mentors um, over tacos and whiskey, and we were just talking about fears and things that we wanted to do. And I really opened up and said, You know, I miss the storytelling part that I used to be a part of when I was writing for a trade publication. And I have this kooky idea, and I don't know if it's going to stick, and I'm not really prepared for it. So, I just explained to him my concept of Mavens of Manufacturing. He's like, you're crazy if you don't do it. Just announce it on LinkedIn. And so I did back in December and booked shows out until April of this year without having a website, without having anything set up for it. So I was like, huh, now I really gotta really gotta do this. But it was it was basically, you know, conversations that I've had with my daughter and um her friends that I was just like, this is really kind of crappy that they're not excited about engineering and manufacturing. And I really want to change that. And, you know, we, we all know about the skills gap that's coming up and um, there still is a gender gap there. So I thought maybe if I created this Mavens in Manufacturing, I could really hype up women to join the sector or consider joining it and kind of start closing those gaps that exist.
1: You're totally right. There, there's definitely still a gap in the industry. I, I find having conversations like this is is still one of the most important things to be doing to getting more people on board. And I, I definitely want to address that and talk deeper into that as we get further into the interview. I kind of want to go back to where you've one of the things you first started with. That you know, you you talk about storytelling a lot, and that's been a big part of your career. Can you tell me when you first Realized there was a gap in the manufacturing industry in terms of the ability to tell stories because you've got that writer's background. So I think you're more keen to that. When did you first realize that? What was that scene like?
0: So when I first started applying for positions after I graduated high school, or not high school, college, I'm sorry, um, I got hired on as an editor for a trade publication. And It was really interesting just to like talk with engineers and manufacturers about what they were doing because they were kind of socially awkward about it and really didn't know how to express their passion of what they were doing. Like they were doing it for so long that it just kind of seemed like a mute point for them and they didn't really understand why it was important to share their stories. So, I mean, before it was all outbound marketing, right? Where people would go door to door and do cold calls and, you know, try to sell, sell, sell. But with the digitization of things where everything became online and people were starting to communicate more with social media and everything. um, Marketing had to shift in a way where, you know, people are Googling what, what their problems are and trying to find solutions that way. So marketing really had to catch up with that. And I think with manufacturers, they were so used to the old school way of how they were like, getting in touch with their customers and trying to sell with them, they didn't really know how to like really grab people by their emotions. Um, and good storytelling is, you know, what gets people to have conversations and get them to exchange information with each other. And it also helps build those trusting relationships that are so important for companies, you know, to really have loyal customers. Cause without those trusting relationships, customers are gonna go somewhere else. So um, I think it was back then in 2008, when I first started working for this trade publication, I was just like, you know, why aren't they trying to um, brand their companies in a way where it's getting the customers really excited and wanting to have that trusting relationship with them. So what our marketing department did way back then in 2008 is we started experimenting being on Facebook when at that time it was considered unprofessional be on social media because no one would follow you or listen to you. And then we really started taking a deep dive into video and um, we we weren't the best at video creation or uh, what we were trying to do with video is kind of funny. And um, I mean, if you wanna take a look, it was product design and development and wireless design and development back in the day. Um, you could tell that we were inexperienced, but Because we were so authentic and transparent and we like to goof around and we all had like our sarcastic sense of humor, um, a lot of manufacturers dug that. And so they wanted us to talk to them. And when we showed that side of their personalities as well, too, it really helped with their customer base because their customers were like, wow, we're we're the same personality wise. We kind of joke around about the same thing Um, you must really get. Your customer base, so let's start doing business with each other. And I think that's true today. Like, um, and Joe talks about it all the time on his stuff, where you know you really have to be authentic and transparent and really mesh well with who your customer base is, because otherwise they're not going to want to have a relationship with you.
1: Yeah, can you give? I, I, I'd, I'd be curious because I'm sure there are some people listening thinking it's like, oh well, my my product doesn't, there's no story around it. Can you maybe give an example of something that seemingly wouldn't have like a story surrounding it or wouldn't cater itself to storytelling that you were able to find uh, a story to weave around it?
0: Yeah. So a, a good example is the company that I work for now. Um, and I mean, there's companies that do create parts for aerospace and defense and, um, They have NDAs, which I still think to this day is ridiculous because it's those (laughs) that's what's setting up those boundaries where you can't really tell those stories. But um, I've worked with companies where they make really small, thin parts. Pretty boring. Right. But Mm -hmm. some of those really small, thin parts go into cell phones. They go into um, medical implantables that, you know, help track how a human's health is going. So they prevent anything from heart attacks or blood clots or, you know, high cholesterol, like things like that. Um And what's really cool with the company that I work for now is, you know, the pandemic put a huge dent into manufacturing. Like it hurt a lot of companies if they didn't learn how to adapt. Well, with the company that I work for now, PhotoFab, they actually provided a lot of the critical components for the ventilators that, you know, were so helpful in keeping people alive when they caught COVID. And I think that right there in itself is so worth a great story. Like, yeah, this is a small, thin metal part, pretty boring on its own. But without this thin metal part, those ventilators wouldn't have worked properly. And we wouldn't have such a high mass production of ventilators. And more people would have, you know, probably passed away or gotten worse. And the whole situation would have been way worse than what it was towards the end of it. So it's stories like that. Um, Another example is not from one that I worked with, but um, I'm interviewing a a lady in a a few weeks. She, um, her company creates parts that were put in the cameras that were actually responsible for capturing the Boston Marathon bombers. And -hmm. without those small components in the camera, they wouldn't have had the clarity of the faces from those those suspects and we probably would have never caught those bombers from the, Mar- the Boston Marathon. So it's using stuff like that. 3D printing is a great example as well too. Um, not only is it used for creating small prototype parts, but there's amputees out there that have 3D printed prosthetics. And Prosthetics are not cheap. They're really expensive, especially the more aerodynamic ones that you want to use for like for athletes, ridiculously expensive. And if you don't have like the right insurance plan, um, because I've met a couple of those amputees, if you, if your insurance doesn't cover that, that's a huge chunk out of your wallet. So with additive manufacturing, it's actually using that in a creative way to create these prosthetics that amputees need. And they're not as expensive as some that might have been traditionally manufactured
1: the the common thread i'm hearing in your stories that if i'm if i'm a manufacturing leader listening to this that i could take away is that a lot of it has to do with not only that the final end product that a part would go into but how that product like improves people's lives solves a problem you talked about prosthetics uh, talked about um, catching criminals at the end of the day. Like it, it, those those are all examples that that tend themselves to stories. And I want to go back to something else you were saying as well as, as we kind of wrap up the storytelling portion of the conversation where you talked about how your team just dove into Facebook marketing and dove into videos before it was really, um, let's say, the norm, before you you had it all cleaned up, for example, you were just being authentic with it. If I'm someone that's listening to the show and I'm thinking to myself, gosh, my company needs to do a better job telling stories, what would be your uh, piece of advice to them for getting started?
0: So if they don't have a marketing team, because that's a huge problem as well, too, for small to medium-sized manufacturers, they might not have the budget to hire a marketing department. Um, The company that I work for, it's myself and one other uh, woman, she... She actually was there for quite a few years by herself trying to hold down the floor, which is a lot, especially within marketing. Um, so a lot of small to medium-sized marketing companies don't have the budget to afford, you know, someone that can create these really great videos. So my suggestion would be is try to start small. Um, pick up your phone. Phones are so advanced now that you can create something i i just saw a tiktok video from a manufacturer filming what his machine was doing you don't have to be really well educated in tiktok i mean um i'm still learning it as i go that was something that i uh started looking into later but my daughter was like no look let's make these fun videos um it's really simple to learn you can google articles on how to really optimize what you're using it for but ma- i just saw a manufacturer on linkedin and it had TikTok in the lower left hand corner. And he, all he was doing was filming what his machine was doing. So do something like that. And then upload it on um, your LinkedIn page. You, I feel like LinkedIn is the greatest hub for manufacturers out there because everyone is on it right now, it seems like. So make sure you're following the hashtags that are involved in your industry. Make sure you're connecting with your competitors, connect with, um, influencers connect with podcasters like yourself like um influencers like andrew connect with joe um get yourself involved heavily and engage 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 and like right now with um mavens of manufacturing like i'm this is something that i do for fun on the side Um, so i'm just like constantly talking to people and engaging and you know getting the story out there It's really simple to do. It can be time consuming, but it's the cheapest way to do it. Like I'm not spending any money on trying to promote mavens. I'm not like I I just do it for fun. And if you have like a really small budget, I mean, there's some tools out there that might cost 10 to 15 bucks a month for you to optimize things. So just look into those opportunities, take advantage of it and just jump in and start doing it. Don't overthink it. You know, um, one of my mentors said, because when I first started Mavens, I was really scared because I really didn't have any experience with podcasting or video editing. And he's like, it doesn't matter. He's like, your first episode is probably going to be the crappiest one that you ever do. But at least you got it out there. And he's like, every day, as long as you're 1% better the day before, that's all that matters. So you're not going to have your best work the first time you try to do something. And that's okay. Just try to strive for 1% better. And just keep learning and you know, asking questions. And if someone's doing something that you really like, follow them. And this might sound really bad, but try to copy them. (laughs) Or even ask them questions. Hey, what are you doing? What are your pain points? How do you do this? How do you figure this out? And more than 90% of the time, people are going to be happy to help you succeed. Mm -hmm. So just don't be shy.
1: Great, great advice across the board. I completely agree with you. In fact, I usually tell people all the time, like, just get started. The phone is all you need to start anything. Like, that, it does, think about what digital cameras were a long time ago. The phone now is like so much ahead of, let's say specific technologies like cameras and video cameras of five to 10 years ago. So couldn't agree with it more. I, I love your line about 1% better every day. Um, I forget who, first came up with that but that is one of the the best pieces of advice you can give because it's all about getting in that habit right you do it once you do it twice you do it 10 times and it gets easier you're less camera shy at that point and and you really evolve quicker that way well hey great advice on that front we're gonna shift gears a little bit talking about mavens and manufacturing you know, I'd love some specific advice from you because you you see this every day. You talk to a lot of women in the industry, just continuing to address the gender gap in the industry. Let's take ourselves back to Pig Mines. We're talking to someone, and they're like, "I sense that things are improving in the industry. We're starting to close some of these gaps." But what's one of the immediate issues that that needs attention? How can we collectively be better, and improve things in the industry?
0: I think just inviting women to the table of conversation is a great first step. Um, I know that, there and I've mentioned this before in past, past interviews that I've done, um, I go through my LinkedIn feed every single day, and I try to engage as much as possible with everyone who's posting something. And I see a lot of these panel discussions within engineering and manufacturing, and I want to say 90%, it might be a little higher, but most 90% of them are, you know, posted by men and they feature all men. And I'm just like, where are the women in this conversation? And, you know, I get it. Like it it might be a thing where, Hey, we're really close net network together. We've worked on past projects together and everything like that. Um, but I think just being mindful about, okay, what topic are we having? And maybe just thinking right off the top, is there any kind of women in the industry that can offer some sort of input on this specific topic? And I know that can be hard sometimes because people have tight schedules. But I think just initially inviting women to the conversation is a great first step Um, through past conversations that I've had. One of the other issues is that women don't generally really know what is involved with engineering or manufacturing. And a lot of the women that I've talked to have said, yeah, I fell into the sector by accident. Like, this is the pathway that I pursued, and then it turned into this. Um, And then I also, like, come from a manufacturing background. My dad has been involved in manufacturing his entire life, but he never really talked about it with any of us as kids. And I think that's part of the problem. Like we need to start having more conversations of what manufacturing and engineering are, especially at the earlier levels of school. So not middle school, but elementary school and find a way to incorporate, you know, how can we talk about this in a way that makes sense to five, six, seven-year-olds and then continue that conversation as they grow through school. I think that would be really beneficial because um, when I was in high school, all that I was taught was, okay, you're good at writing, so you should pursue something in writing, or you're good at communication, so you should be in marketing. I never was really presented any opportunities with engineering or manufacturing. So I think that's a problem too. And I think just the way that we talk about it, um, instead of just saying, hey, these are the career opportunities, we actually really need to show what that means. So you know, highlighting those manufacturing facilities and sharing those videos and um, presenting them to kids and saying, hey, look at this. Yeah, this might seem really boring. Like a CNC machining video might seem really boring to a kid that's in middle school. But if you take that part and actually show where it fits and then show how that whole project moves with that part in it, that might start gaining more and more attention. Um, I had a conversation with someone, who said that they had a student come through their facility and they were interested in medical, but they were interested in it, in it where they thought wanting to be part of that industry meant they either had to be a nurse or a surgeon or a first responder. Like um EMT, I think is what they're called. Sorry, I don't know what they're called. yeah
1: EMT I think that's it. I, <laughs> so, th- that's um, not my background either. So I'm I'm I I'm not the best person to like, ask either. <laughs>
0: The person in the ambulance. But um, so what they did was they actually showed their 3D printers and how their additive manufacturing machines were making those prosthetics that I mentioned earlier. And the kid was blown away. He was like, I had no idea. I had no idea that being part of the medical industry meant this as well, too. So I think we have to start showing them the multiple ways that dots are connected within each industry. And how they all kind of lead back to engineering and manufacturing. And then just getting kids passionate about it, getting them hyped up and excited.
1: I love it. I mean, and Andrew Crow talks a lot about how important it is to get people at a young age, get them involved. And I completely agree with your comment. You know, I, I personally find it lazy when I see people with a panel just full of men on there. It's like there are women in the industry that are experts in this year area like yes there's a gender gap but it doesn't take that much more effort to you know get a well-rounded panel at the end of the day so i think that's great advice inviting women to the table like you said um galena and tova i believe mentioned that like back in episode 20 as well on the show so um timeless advice there I do have a couple questions around mentorship that ties into this as well, because you've talked about your mentors a couple of time. I'm curious, did you have any women earlier in your career or, you know, uh, at the current point in your career that were strong female, female mentors that were helping you along? Or did you or, you know, or did you feel like there was an opportunity for more, if, if that makes sense?
0: Um, I definitely feel like there's an opportunity for more, but I do have a few um, really amazing women in my life that have inspired me to just keep moving forward and be resilient as much as I can. Um, Most recently, um, at a past company that I worked for, I worked for a marketing agency, and I'm going to call her name out right now because she's just amazing. Her name is Jessica, and she is such a huge advocate on mental health awareness, and if you are not like mentally healthy, or if you're having a bad day, it truly does affect your productivity at work. And being in manufacturing, that is something I don't think is really spotlighted enough. It's a really intense, and in- it can be really intense in manufacturing and engineering. And um, I just did an episode. Her name is Lale Lavelle. She is in Colorado, and. She- That was something she also touched on, too, because she's a chemical engineer by background. And some of the courses that she said these students take, like, it just overwhelms them because they feel like if they fail, then that means, you know, the end of the world. But failure is something that is so common in engineering and manufacturing. And I think students don't really necessarily know how to fail. Like, they don't see the positives or the benefits of it. And that was something that Jessica brought to our team as well. When I worked for the marketing agency, she just was like, you know, if you have a bad day, it's not the end of the world. Just let me know and we'll figure it out. If you need to work from home, go work from home. If you need to go for a walk during lunch, go for a walk. She's like, we'll work through it together. So it was really great to see that side of things in manufacturing. Cause I never saw it before until mm-hmm. working with her. So it was really cool.
1: I love that you brought up the the mental health aspect about engineering and, and you know finding ways to bring that in there because it is a high pressure industry and I'm sure mm-hmm. there are a lot of people in the industry that that don't share some of their struggles around it. Um and and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I feel having more female leaders in the industry helps kind of bring that balance in there. Would you say that I mean I'm go I'm am I going out on a limb here or would you say you know, female leaders in the manufacturing space are more cognizant to that. And that's a strength that they bring.
0: I think so. And I just want to like, put a disclaimer out there. Like, I'm not trying to bash men at all. Like, I think there is a need for both men and women in the industry, because if you diversify your thought process, you have a lot more better chance of being successful when it comes to innovation. And you are just more profitable all around. And it's all about combining life experience because that's how you can solve the toughest of problems in my personal opinion. So I'm not like here to just bash women and try or bash men and try to push them out of the industry. That's not what my goal is at all, but men and women do think differently. It's been proven Mm -hmm. over time. And I mean, there's books on it and there's articles on it. And I think as women, we tend to be more mindful of the whole, um, yeah, there's competition among us, but I think we always want everyone to be successful because we know that provides better results. And I mean, if you look in nature itself, like at lions and everything, all the female lions, the lionesses stay together for a reason and they hunt together and they're more successful that way. Um, And I just think if you hire women It's not just themselves that they're thinking about, but they're thinking about everyone as a whole. And their problem-solving skills are geared towards that, where they want everyone to be successful. So what needs to happen in order for that to happen? How can we move things forward as a group? And there's prime examples on Mavens of Manufacturing. Um, I spoke with Ashley from Onyx, and she wrote a book, Leading with Grit and Grace. And she changed that management style that was traditional in Onyx from you know, this direct and lead to this whole coaching thing. And she brought the team together and everybody loves coming to work now. They're a lot happier. They're they're more apt to voice, you know, if something's wrong, or they're more apt to voice, hey, I think this is a problem, and here's how we can fix it. And I think it's because she, as a woman leader, was able to come in and listen to everybody and make them feel comfortable not to voice their opinion because before they were so scared to because of the type of leadership that they had before she came on board.
1: Love that story. Love that example. And, and I appreciate the disclaimer as well. And I know the manufacturing happy hour industry community is uh, a, a group that is interested in more equity in the industry. So I, I'm, 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 I'm hoping no one was take, taking it as a um, bashing of, of the male, the males in this industry, because there are a lot of male allies out there. Um, I would yeah, say, the, absolutely. You know, yeah. And, and I would say the majority are male allies, certainly the, you know, everyone listening to this show, I hope falls into that category. And, and some of these things I bring up because, you know, I recognize, you know, some of this may just be personal. Some, some of the way I, I wired, I'm wired, but you know, some of my weaknesses are, you know, I tend to ignore maybe like the health aspect sometime where I'm like, I'm just going to power through, I'm going to stay <laughs> up late. I'm going to get a podcast done. So some of these questions just come from the way that, that I know I work and I'm, and I always wonder, it's like, how would my perception be different if, you know, I had a different background or came from a different worldview and things like that. So I love the perspectives you're bringing to the, uh, to the table. Um, You know, a a bit of a personal question as well as, as we're on this topic, you've mentioned how important your daughter is to you um, in your life, and your career, not only at the start of this conversation, but in other interviews and it got me thinking, um, you know, what are, you know, what has motherhood taught you about being a leader? And then from a general standpoint, how do you think it creates stronger manufacturing leaders in general?
0: So I had, I actually have three children. Um, I have two younger boys that are, um, two and three and I call them my wildlings because they're they're really wild and crazy and boys are just different altogether when they're that age but um I had my daughter when I was 20 and it was at a really dark moment in my life I actually started my college career at Minnesota it wasn't something that I was ready to do my mom was you know from an older generation and um in order in her mind success was from having a four Year degree and higher, so she always wanted us. She still tries to push me to get my doctorate, but I'm I'm done with school. I'm not I'm not going through that stress again. But um, I almost flunked out of college twice. I was on academic probation for the first the first four semesters of my college career, and I was just making stupid decision after stupid decision. So when I got pregnant with my daughter. Um, her father actually decided that he didn't want to be a part of that journey with me. So I really needed to like, think about what I was going to do. And I decided to move back to Wisconsin and be closer with my family and, um, s- decided that I was going to do technical writing. Cause even though I, I started out as a creative writer, that doesn't really pay the bills, <laughs> uh, unless you know how to write Harry Potter books and Lord of the Ring books, but, um, decided to do the technical route. And yeah, I mean, I was really introverted Before having my daughter, I was really shy to talk to people, Um, but I knew that I needed to be both the mom and the dad with her. So I had to really step out of my comfort zone um, and learn how to talk to people, especially within the trade publication. I mean, in order to get the story, you have to be able to approach people and ask questions. So she really taught me self-confidence Um, she also taught me a lot of patience and she just really taught me how to have fun. Like kids are innocent and they do the darndest things. And she really brought back that curiosity that, you know, I might've had when I was younger and lost somewhere along the way, but just watching her and even with my sons, just watching them try to figure things out. And now that she's 18 and she's ready to go on her own, I'm just completely blown away of how. Confident she is with herself and some of the things that she does, and I would like to think I had something to do with that. But um, yeah, she's just really taught me to just you know go go for it, um, do things that make you happy, um, be a little goofy, be a little weird. Because the stuff that she creates on TikTok is absolutely hysterical to me, and it's just it's cool to see her and her friends be comfortable in their skin and just have fun with life. So she really taught me all those things. And I think being a parent, you know, you're, you're responsible for a life form um, and you need pretty good problem solving skills and uh, thick skin to do that because uh, it's not easy being a parent. Um, It's a really fun challenge, but it's also a scary challenge. So I think anybody that's a parent makes a really good leader because if you can, you know, keep this living thing alive um with you know very few injuries um i think that's a good a good start to being a leader like you're doing something right there so i think anybody that has a child um uh, you really got to learn how to multitask you really need to learn how to time management um my husband's terrible at it and that's why i'm so good at it um i love my husband he's he's An amazing support group for what I'm doing, Um, but he thinks differently than I do, so he doesn't think of all those small details, and I think some of those things are really important if you want to lead a good team, so you have to think of little details, and you have to be organized in time management, and you have to be able to adapt to unexpected things, so like, for instance, my son was jumping off of something like typical kids do, and we were just having a normal day at home. And then he fell and got hurt. And we were like, crap. So we had to take him to the emergency room. And, you know, our day kind of got screwed up. But you just have to learn how to roll with the punches sometimes. And if you don't get things done, it's not the end of the world. There's always tomorrow. And just keep moving forward.
1: Love that answer. And, and you know, I appreciate you being so open, open with us as, as we navigate this discussion. I think, uh, a lot of people are wishing they had more conversations like this, but struggle to figure out how to start them. But you've given a lot of great advice throughout this conversation. But what would be your advice to someone that's listening, thinking it's like, yes, I know, you know, I need to invite more people to the table that aren't just like me, or making sure we have a panel that really represents diverse perspectives in manufacturing. But what would be your advice to to leaders that are trying to navigate conversations like this?
0: Don't be afraid to be uncomfortable because every conversation is not easy to have. Um, I would recommend reading the book Crucial Conversations. That is something that um, I'm almost done with. I I haven't been able to pick it up over the last couple of weeks, but it really hits on, you know, you alone are kind of responsible for how something makes you feel. And if somebody says something that might rub you the wrong way, you kind of have to search inside yourself and figure out why that might be, because it is, it is something that happens. And even now with like being stuck in our homes for so long, everybody's kind of on edge still a little bit. From my personal perspective, a lot of people seem to be getting offended over the simplest things. And you really got to ask yourself why, why, why is something really rubbing you the wrong way? And I think, you know, you have to have those uncomfortable conversations and ask the hard questions because if you don't ask them and you just assume, then things can actually get worse. So I highly recommend stepping outside of your comfort zone and just ask, you know, what's going on. Um, And then, you know, sometimes it's nothing. It's just you overthinking something. So I really suggest people that are in leadership leadership positions, and this is something that I'm still working on because I still find myself kind of nervous to start conversations, you know, just hit someone up. I try to connect with people that I'm not connected to. I try to connect with five new people on a daily basis, if not a weekly basis, and just reach out to them and say, hey, I saw your profile. It says this, this, and this about you. You know, would you like to have a conversation? Here's my calendar link, you know, schedule a time that best fits it's your schedule and let's talk manufacturing. Let's talk engineering. Let's talk about whatever you want. So just, yeah, just stepping outside of your comfort zone and asking questions you might not have thought about asking before.
1: No, it's it, the fire advice. And I'm going to link up to crucial conversations in in the show notes as well for anyone interested in checking out that book. It's a great book. Yeah, no, I I personally haven't come across it either. So that might be one that's uh, jumping in my audible queue uh, after this conversation, because while I've been able to step outside of my comfort zone a little bit for this conversation, that's not always the case. Sometimes I'm, you know, I'm lazy about it or I'm uncomfortable about it, just to use the the opposite word, a word in that spectrum. So great advice. I appreciate all the insights you've shared today. Just a final question. Then as as we get going, uh, what's next for you and Mavens of Manufacturing?
0: The sky is the limit. So I'm actually doing some uh, collaboration with Tony Gunn, hopefully. So we want to do a national school tour. And I've been talking to local school districts within my community. He's been reaching out to some and we just want to, you know, bring smaller communities together because um, the community that I'm originally from—it's a, a small city in Wisconsin called Beloit. They have a ton of manufacturing companies, and even in a, the Jamesville area. And now with the Belvedere plant in Illinois losing a lot of their employees and planning shutting down, we we know what man we know what it feels like when manufacturing is not a success. And um, Beloit has had um the pleasure of an uh, a leader stepping in her name is Diane Hendricks she has invested a lot into the community and now bullet starting to build itself up and it's just a solid case study that shows you know how important manufacturing is especially within smaller communities so what we would like to do is bring not just teachers and parents and students together but we also want to bring manufacturers together so that we can show kids of younger generations. This is what this is why manufacturing is important. And if you are from, you know, a rough place where you think that you're not good enough or can't afford for your college, you still have a chance to be something successful and you can make a difference in this world if you look into manufacturing and engineering. So I'm hoping that follows through. Uh, Tony is a really cool guy. I love his videos and yeah, if that can, if we can make that work, I'm really excited about it.
1: I love that because I was listening to that episode and you mentioned that at the end. I wasn't sure if that was just like a passing comment at the end of a podcast interview. But uh, for those listening out there, The Gun Show is Tony Gunn's uh, podcast. he uh, That's his last name, G-U-N-N. Definitely check that out. And as uh, obviously the only appropriate way to end this is, you got to check out Mavens of Manufacturing as well. First round of episodes are out. You've got many more in the pipeline, as you're saying, so excited to hear that get those wherever you listen to podcasts and with that Megan Zimba thank you so much for being on manufacturing happy hour today
0: thank you so much and yes let's get together sometime because I would actually love to share a beer with you and whoever else is in St. Louis at the time
1: absolutely St. Louis pig mines wherever it may be we will have to grab (laughs) a drink soon thanks so much thank you Hey, what's up folks? Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed that episode. A big thanks to Megan for jumping on the show and for being so open in today's conversation. Admittedly, and and we mentioned this in the interview, these are not always the easiest conversations to have, and even as a podcaster, like you probably heard it, I still stumble through some of these discussions because Certain questions can be uncomfortable. Certain discussion topics can be uncomfortable. But as we said, we'd encourage you to also challenge yourselves to have these conversations to continue to make your companies and the manufacturing industry as a whole a better, more inclusive industry industry there are a bunch of resources to check out here as well as some podcasts that were thrown out if you want to access the gun show if you want to access episodes 24 and 46 which featured joe sullivan and andrew crow respectively who megan mentioned a couple times or if you want to access that book crucial conversations you can do that over at the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash Fifty-six. Before we wrap up, I do want to say thank you to our sponsor for this episode, Trinet. Trinet is a company that helps small and medium-sized businesses with their HR. Whether it's something tactical like payroll or whether it's something like succession planning, they are your partner for HR. So check out Trinet, see what they do in the manufacturing industry by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash Trinet. Or you can check out episode 35, where we learned all about the things they're doing in the manufacturing space. Thanks so much, Trinet, for sponsoring this show. And thank you for listening to today's episode. Looking forward to having you back next week. Stay innovative. Stay thirsty. We'll catch you then. Cheers.
0: Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.